Gracious God, we thank you for the time we have now together. You have reminded us that we are forgiven, that we are set free, and we stand before you confidently as your children. To receive your word now, illumine our hearts and our minds, that we hear your voice above all other voices. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together are glorifying unto you, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. All God's people said, amen. We've been uh, exploring the essential promises of God these last handful of weeks. As it says in Psalm 145, the Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. And this morning, one of God's promises is being tested, the promise of God's provision, testing. There's a lot of ways to think about testing, testing in school exams, I was reminded that the bumper sticker, it says, whenever, uh, as long as there are tests in school, there's going to be prayer in school, right? The driver's test the DMV gives us to make sure that we're able to drive safely on the streets. My son's a, a, a test, uh, gives tests to pilots. He's a, a flight instructor and teaches them how to take off and land, and he gives them tests to make sure they can fly. We've all become familiar with tests in our lives, uh, medical tests, tests for COVID, right? See how the body is working. Other times, we may something like th- say something like this, using the word test, uh, that person is testing my patience, like patience is running thin. Look out! All tests measure something, a skill, a knowledge, intelligence, uh, capacities, levels, or endurance. I met a former Navy SEAL the other day. Talk about somebody who's been through some difficult tests. I saw an ad on TV for a new show that advertised that they were going to put some people through some of these tests that Navy SEALs go through, you know, they're in a Humvee and it's sinking in the water and they got to hold their breath or they're hanging from a helicopter or they're sitting in ice cold ocean water and waves hitting them on and on. You know, this, those tests. One thing I didn't say to the Navy SEAL is prove it that you're a Navy SEAL. That would have been foolish. Foolish for a variety of reasons. One, socially, that would have been ridiculous. And other would be physically, that would be very uh, dangerous. In three of the four gospel accounts, Jesus is tested. He's tested in the wilderness. Jesus is put to the test. It happens right after his baptism, right after he receives those wonderful words from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, and I am so pleased with you. These words of promise are still ringing in Jesus' ears when he is led out by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is how Matthew records this event. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was vanished. The tempter said to him, If 
You are the Son of God. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and and placed him at the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. He's quoting scripture. And Jesus said to him, again it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited upon him. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. It's been 40 days and 40 nights since that booming voice from heaven that reminded Jesus of who he is, his identity, This is my son, the beloved, whom I'm well pleased. Other than hearing strange voices and sounds in the night while he's wandering through the desert for that long period of time, the voice of God has grown mysteriously silent. Eventually, another voice grows louder and emerges. It's the voice of the tempter. Now, people who know about these things suggest that the temptations that Jesus faces in this situation are, are not necessarily the temptations that we're most familiar with. You know the kind, uh, uh, trying to entice us to commit this sin or that sin, to do something that we really, really want to do but we shouldn't do. Fudge the truth or repeat a nasty rumor about someone. Allow keyboard courage to take over and we send a nasty email or Facebook post, fall in the trap of envy, you know, want somebody else's life, desire somebody else, jealous of their possessions, and and we just grow ungrateful with the ones that we have. We all have that baggage, and we all need to uh, repent and ask God forgiveness and heal and apologize those we hurt. At the heart of each temptation that Jesus faces is something much deeper, a temptation to trust in something other than the promise of God's provision. To thwart God's purposes in his life. Let's look again at those temptations. Individually, each of them are tempting and invites Jesus away from the trust of God's promise in their life. In a different way, and all carry that two-letter word of doubt, if. If. Practice a little magic, the first one says. Feed yourself. Clearly God isn't going to take care of you. You're hungry. Satisfy yourself. You're, if you are God's son, after all. The second one, why not test God? Hey, God, put your money where your mouth is. Throw yourself from this temple. See if you really are the beloved. If you're God's son, Listen how he will promise you. He will command his angels concerning you. 
Make God prove it. Third, I, I can fast track this you to the throne. You can have all the kingdoms. You can rule the kingdoms of this world without all the fuss, fuss without simply bow your head to me and it'll all be yours. Gain the kingdom without dying for it. Wear the crown without the cross. If God is really pleased with you, would this be his plan? Would this be what he wants for you, what awaits you in Jerusalem? Each test comes at the most vulnerable time of Jesus. As he's been out in the wilderness for a very long period of time without food, water, and he's vanished. The long and lonely wilderness took a toll on him physically and spiritually. They were real pangs of hunger, real questions if God cared for him. God's plan was good. Real weariness, distress in this journey that he's ahead of him. I've often thought, how did this story get into the gospel accounts? Jesus is alone. It's before he called disciples. It's before he started his public ministry. He's out there all by himself. There is no eyewitnesses. So he must have told this story to his disciples. I wonder when. I wonder when this story came out. Maybe it's when he was, they were asking, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. You know that part of the prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Maybe he brought some context to that and said, I have been tempted. Don't lead us out there. He was really on his own he shared it with his disciples. But the question is, why does Jesus feel compelled to share this in this moment of struggle with his disciples? Perhaps because these temptations are our temptations, friends. The temptations that we face, the temptations that the church faces, the ifs, if God is with you, if God cares about you, if God's good and faithful plan is meaningful for you. When we wander in the wilderness, and we will. Jesus knew there would be temptations to trust in something other than God's provision in our life, other than the promise of God's provision. For Christians, our trust is ultimately in, in Christ and the risen Lord, the promise of God's provision, despite that their sin and death still reign in this world God provides his son to conquer them. The promise that in and through Christ, all of us stand a chance to somehow conquer sin and death in our lives too. Jesus knew his followers would be tested in the first century and in the 21st century. He knew their trust would be tested and their identity in Christ would be put under pressure. The love and the grace that is promised would be doubted and we'd have moments in our faith where the wilderness does not seem to end. And like Jesus, we don't get a choice and choose when the wilderness will come upon us or when we're led out into the wilderness. 
when the voice of doubt whispers into our minds, our hearts, wilderness happens. Sometimes it takes shape in a hospital waiting room. Difficult situations, difficult relationships, marriages that come to an end, career uncertainty, troubled children, sudden death, pandemic. The wilderness appears, dear friends, and ultimately, and it's untimely, and it's unwelcome. And that is why I'm convinced Jesus shares this story with his disciples and with us to equip us, to prepare us, to inspire us when our faith grows weak, when our hope dries up, <laughs> and our trust falters. Now, here's the good news. Here's the really good news. As God's children, we are entitled to the same defense that the Son of God had, God's Word. Each time, God, Jesus quotes God's word, God's voice, God's promise, God's love. God's word comes out. We're reminded in Hebrews that the word of God is living and active. It's not stagnant. It's not just stuck. It's living and active and transform, transforms our lives, inspires us. God's word is soul food. The words spoken by Jesus nourish our souls, nourish our trust, and our faith in God's promises. Trust him. Trust him with everything you've got. Don't take shortcuts. Don't take the easy way out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, as the proverb says. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Remember your calling as baptized followers of Jesus Christ. Worship God alone with confidence. We worship God with confidence when we gather together. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, from the promises of God. Paul says it this way, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, Persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No, he says. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we stand with courageous, a courageous, firm no to the voices that tempt us, to lure us away from trusting in the promise of God's provision. Almighty God, you have made us in your image and crowned us with honor and glory. Shape us by your word. Fill us with your spirit so that we may live lives as your beloved children. 
and proclaim the good news of your saving love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.